Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C. Jordan C. by my co-host, Cam, and the chairman, Stephen Vincent. As after taking a week off, we're here to recap all the stories that have taken place in the world of pro wrestling over this last about a uh, week and a half that we have been off. Uh, some big stories, storyline-wise, in both WWE and AEW. And I think we'll start with the uh, implosion of the bloodline from this past Friday on SmackDown. As remember, two weeks ago, um, Jay was you know, told that he was being groomed to be the next uh, tribal chief of the bloodline once Roman was gone. Jay contemplating it, wanted Paul Heyman out of the bloodline if he was going to stay. And then they made their decision. Uh, or Jay, I should say, made his decision this week in a promo at the end with Jay uh, talking about how, uh, you know, he's Jimmy, you know, talking about Roman telling Jay basically that Jimmy was against him being the right hand man and Jay confronting Jimmy asking if it was true. And then Jay telling Jimmy that he's out of the bloodline and so is Jay. And then he super kicks Roman when they take out uh, Solo. And then they both super kick Roman again, basically. And Roman sells it pretty much like death as we get the, like I said, the full-on implosion of the bloodline and at Money in the Bank. You want to call it a bloodline civil war. We're getting Roman Reigns and Solo Sequoia against the Usos, which I'm going to assume will probably be the main event of uh, Money in the Bank. But I thought it was a really well-done angle. Um, you know, everything that the bloodline has done since this whole story started three years ago at this point has been pretty much hit. It's been great. And it's to the point now where we thought it was going to get. And I wonder where it goes. Next. We talked about a few weeks ago how I if I'm booking, I'm thinking that it's going to end up being Jay pinning either Jay getting the win. I suggested pinning Roman Reigns. I don't know if you want to go that far to have Roman Reigns get pinned in a tag team match like this and setting up what I would presume is going to be Jay versus Roman at SummerSlam because there's really no other, uh, you know, challengers setting themselves up for Roman at the moment. So a uh, good angle again on Friday. Uh, obviously I'm sure the tag match is going to be electric and money in the bank, which we'll preview next week and everything afterwards involving these guys, which I'm going to, like I said, presume is going to lead to a big match at SummerSlam uh, should be good. Uh, I'll go to you, Chairman, first. What are your thoughts on the angle? Angle was solid. It was um, well done, I thought. And, you know, I had to watch it twice just because of, like, how Jay just made it sound like, you know, I'm not going with you, Jimmy. I'm going with, you know, these guys, you know, the tribal chief, you know. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just, blam, blasted him with a super kick. And it was was wild stuff. And, you know, now we're getting the tag match and – it should be a solid match. I'm sure Roman will be protected. So either Solo is going to be eating a pin or some other shenanigans are going to go down. And, and I mean, there's been talk for months now that, you know, Jay would be the one to potentially dethrone Roman. And I mean, I, I agree with you, Justin at SummerSlam. I really don't think there is another option at, at this point. I feel like SmackDown's roster doesn't really have a lot of strong contenders to step up to someone with Roman's caliber right now, other than, you know, Jimmy and Jay because of the story. And I think, you know, those two have done phenomenal work, you know, in the last, you know, how many years of this bloodline story. And they were a fantastic tag team before the bloodline. I mean, the Usos could go down single-handedly as the greatest tag team ever. And there's been a lot of tag teams through the years, but these guys are doing some phenomenal work right now with Roman Reigns. You know, a lot of questions about this story of how it was going to go once the Sammy, you know, run ended and, 
now they decided to go this route and this is a fantastic time to do it. I mean, they're not sleeping on this. They're hitting all cylinders because they could have, you know, did some bad decision-making, you know, after the Sammy stuff, because the Sammy stuff was hot. That was probably the hottest that X been. but now we might have another up here with this, uh, Jay and Jimmy fallout here. And, you know, does Roman bring other people in? You know, I saw a rumor going around that they're going to bring girls of destiny in, which is hilarious because they're talking. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways they could go here. They might bring some outsiders in. Um, Roman and Solo could just break up, too, down the road. There's a lot of ways they can go here. But uh, we're setting ourselves up for a good summer, I think, with this uh, story. Yeah, I've seen that, too. I've seen the rumors that Roman could possibly start a new bloodline uh, down the line. Yeah, I mean, Smack, it's evident in SmackDown's ratings that, you know, people are invested in this story. And it seems like Roman's going to be on every other week, I think I saw, uh, going forward. So, obviously, there's going to be more layers to this whole story as it plays along. But like you said, yeah, there's nobody on the SmackDown side of things ready to kind of step up and challenge Roman. So this Uso thing makes the most sense. And, you know, I could even, you know, I don't know if I'm to the point yet where I want to say, I, you know, obviously we're still, what, two months away from SummerSlam where I'd say Jay beats Roman. But I think right now, I think outside of Cody Rhodes, out of all the challengers that Roman has had for the title since he's became champion, I think Jay is probably number two on the list of possibilities to beat him, even higher than Drew. But uh, we'll get there's a time and place for that when we get to it closer to SummerSlam, assuming that's where we go. Uh, Cam, what are your thoughts on this whole story? Well, first of all, I just want to give credit to Roman Reigns. Like you said, he he took those the first super kick like he got shot, and the second one he he completely sold it so wonderful. Like almost messed up the bump where he like hit his neck and head first before his shoulders hit. Like just a sensational job of, of selling uh, an overused move in the wrestling industry the last 15 years. So I think that was phenomenal. Also, I think it's super hilarious that they didn't even get rid of like the dual titles. He just added the third title to his little uh, backstage segment area where it sits on the table. That's insanely funny to me. I think it's uh, you got to give credit to Paul and whoever, Paul Heyman, Triple H, whoever, Roman, whoever's idea was to just put the third title on top and just have him, you know, have all three belts. I think it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah, Paul, Paul um, Heyman yeah. carrying around both belts on his shoulders still is hilarious. Yeah, it just it to me is just so funny they're like no nah, we're not getting rid of these belts he just has a third belt now it's like oh, okay that's pretty cool he's kind of like uh, ftr was last year where they went around to all their promotions and just you know got snatched up a bunch of titles it's i don't know i think it's just incredibly funny um but yeah i think it was it was well done i mean i think the tag team match the the, the thing to me though is that um we're getting the tag match i mean are we're assuming the usos are going to win but i mean i don't know if we're, roman hasn't had a singles match since mania um, or hasn't had a, really had a match. He had the, the tag team match, but you know, I, I kind of feel like they might stretch this out. If you do Jay, uh, Jay versus Roman at SummerSlam for the title, and Jay loses, um, the feud might, might lose its luster a little bit. So I could see, you know, Roman and Solo, you know, this becoming like a DQ type of uh, finish where you know they're having a great match, and then Roman and Solo just get chairs and tables and put them both through the announcer tables, and Roman beats the crap out of him with the chair where you get the sympathy for, for for the Usos for a few more weeks, and then you could do some sort of like tag team Helm Cell match or something like that at SummerSlam where you don't necessarily have to have Roman defend the title because, um, I mean, we could make an argument up and down all day that Jay Uso deserves a world title match. I think he definitely deserves a world title match, but I just don't feel like if he wins the world title, like what do you do next? Does Roman go off TV for a while? Does he defend it against Solo? You could easily go that route if Roman takes time off. He could 
defended against solo at first, and then you can start lining up heel opponents for him, which would be fine. But I think the big money is still, you know, next year at Mania. I think there's um, the money is at Mania, I feel like. And I, it's starting to make a little bit more sense now. You know, we were really upset with the finish at WrestleMania this past year where Cody didn't beat Roman. I think if Cody beats Roman, this Bloodline story loses its luster a little bit. And, you know, we're not necessarily fully invested. I mean, we're still fully invested, but not quite. You know, Roman's the triple champion and, you know, the Usos having all the beef with the tribal chief and everything that's been going on the last few months has been incredible. So you can almost justify now Roman winning that or retaining the title at Mania. I feel like the money down the line is Roman, you know, losing that title at WrestleMania. Will they hold off Jay versus Roman until next year at Mania? I don't see that. Um, But I feel like the Usos have done amazing job Roman's done an amazing job Paul solo everyone involved has done a great job and I feel like there is a little bit more to this like you said there's there's no real main event attraction on Smackdown you could obviously move Sammy and Kevin Owens over there for a little bit and things like that but this is kind of your money maker and to me right now if I'm if I'm Triple H you know I have Roman and Solo beat the crap out of them to end the night and Roman's still standing strong and get the Usos off TV for maybe a week or two. And Roman can say, you know, this is what happens when you cross me. Usos can come back and say, you know, we're challenging you guys um, at, at SummerSlam to a hell in the cell tag team match. It doesn't have to be your main event. You know, you could still do like a uh, Seth Rollins and whoever as your main event or anything like that. Um, So, yeah, I, I mean, I think it was really well done. I think all four of those guys, you know, wrestlers don't ever get nominated for Emmys, but if now was the time, I think Jay Uso and Roman Reigns definitely deserve one. Oh, God, yeah. Can you imagine Vince claiming an Emmy like that? He would have, well, that's been his dream ever since he started calling it sports entertainment. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you as far as the Cody output goes. Like you said, we all thought, like, what the hell is going on? How do they not, uh, you know, how do they not put the title on Cody? And, and I agree that after everything since then has happened, wouldn't be as good without the title. Like, I'm 100% with you there, especially now with the possibility that Jay could be fighting for the title as well. Uh, you know, just layers and layers upon the story. They keep getting added and added. And who the hell knows what else happens next? Like we said, you know, you could at the gorillas of destiny coming in. Roman building a whole new bloodline. I'm sure there's a third cousin that's twice removed from one of like the Usos from like you know Rikishi's side of the family that all of a sudden's a wrestler that could probably get added to. Um, you know, because you all know the Samoan families run deep. Uh, so. I'm sure there's plenty of options there for them to look into if they want to continue the storyline going all the way to WrestleMania. Uh, a little bit, though, more in the recent uh, here, we had two new participants added to the Money in the Bank ladder match uh, this past Monday on Raw with Logan Paul announcing himself for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match and Trish Stratus getting into the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. When when they announced Logan Paul was going to be on Raw uh, that like for the week ahead, is coming Monday I kind of thought that's where they were going so I'm like what the hell is Logan Paul gonna do like and then I thought maybe he was gonna come out and challenge the Miz when the Miz was out there early on but I'm like they already had their program he's not coming out here again that was the only other thing I thought and then yeah when I saw him I'm like okay he's gonna be putting money in the bank and I'm just like uh great because that kind of makes me a little nervous that Logan Paul, and don't get me wrong I like Logan Paul for what he brings I think he's a good shithead heel I think he's might end up being one of the best, you know, quote unquote, celebrity workers you'll ever see in pro wrestling. Uh, if he dedicated it full time to this, I think he would be a top talent for years. But I don't want to see him win money in the bank. And that's what makes me 
a little nervous uh, as far as that goes, especially when you got such a strong feel. I think even though, you know, we, the last week kind of talked about the idea that, well, not a lot of these guys are like, they don't look like guys that, you know, or at the moment they don't feel like guys that could beat Seth or Rollins. But, you know, given a year's time, it could be built up. I mean, look how over at LA Knight was this past Monday on Raw and the pop he got. I mean, Nakamura has been a main eventer. Uh, you know, Damian Priest, I think, is a guy they're pretty high on. Um I'm just worried there with the Logan Paul situation. They're worried about getting like the celebrity clout and him doing his uh, TikTok videos, whatever the hell with whatever the hell his uh, drink is with the money in the bank briefcase in it. Um, you know, of course, you know, there's history there. Obviously, he's fought both Roman and Seth. So, you know, there is history there. Um, as far as the women's side goes, I guess I really wouldn't have too much of a problem with Trish winning it. I prefer somebody else, but I mean, Trish winning it to me wouldn't be as bad as Logan Paul winning it, despite me liking uh, Logan Paul. Like Trish, you know, we kind of talked about last week how we thought Zoe and Becky canceled each other out. And now with Trish being in there, I'm not really sure that's the case anymore. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Where you got Trish and Zoe, you've got Bailey and Io Sky, even though Damage Control has had a rocky relationship. And then, of course, Zelina and Becky Lynch as well. So that'll be our preview show next week. But just uh, back over to you, Chairman, first, when you saw that Logan Paul and Trish Stratus were added to the Money in the Bank matches, what were your thoughts? Did Logan Paul even have to fight anybody to qualify, or did his dumbass just show up and get put in the match? Yeah, it was like kind of like the Rumble. He just showed up and found a ladder and declared himself for Money in the Bank. So maybe if somebody See, else finds a ladder. This is bullshit. I'm getting tired of this guy showing up. You know, all these other guys, Shinsuke and Priest and LA Knight, they had to fight in these quote-unquote qualifying matches. This jerk-off should not be exempt from that. He should have to fight his way into, I'm sure he would have won, but it kind of defeats the principle of this jerk off shows up and says, Hey, I won in the match. I hate this guy. He, he's trash. I do not like him at all. I don't drink prime ever. I'll never try one. Never will. I will not give that man money. He can go on and do a little flippy flops. that he does. Cool. You're entertaining, but you know what? I don't like you. And someone that should be there full time, like LA Knight, you know, who we've been touting hardcore or even a Shinsuke or a Ricochet or a priest or even a Pete Dunn, anybody, any of those guys should be more deserving. I don't want to see this jerk off win the briefcase and disappear. The last few Money in the Bank winners, for the most part, other than Big E, have been completely disappointing flops. And just, I wasn't interested. The Money in the Bank event is losing its luster, in my opinion. It's, I don't know what it is lately. I'm hoping there's a rebound this year. But if they put the briefcase on this jerk off, forget it. Um, Trish, you know, very surprising entrant. I was not expecting her to uh, be involved in money in the bank i kind of thought you know maybe she'd not be around till SummerSlam, but you know this obviously like you said it adds another layer to the becky zoe thing and then you know this field you know if you take all them out you know you're down to zelena vega bailey and eo sky so you're probably gonna have a power struggle between bailey and eo i would imagine for the women's i mean i got no problem with trish you know obviously some people are kind of freaking out that she's in there but you know she still looks great you know, at her age, I mean, obviously she's made a lost step in the ring, but, you know, Trish obviously is a former women's champion, you know, multi, was like seven time women's champion, you know, she's, she's earned that right. She at least fought somebody to qualify. It was that Raquel Rodriguez, right? So at least there's that aspect, at least she earned her way in. So Trish is fine. You know, they needed to add, the women's divisions kind of in a weird place right now. So if Trish wants to add a layer layer to the Becky's always story, I have no problem with it. Let's ride. 
Yeah, who knows? Maybe it comes with Becky getting help from somebody. I mean, I mean, the good thing is, you know, I, I should knock on some wood here. I got to find it. Um, at least it's not Charlotte Flair, and she's just getting her shot at Asuka the uh, Friday SmackDown before in London. But I, I, I fear that she could possibly find her way into the Money in the Bank match if she loses, because you know it's Charlotte Flair, and she just gets to do uh, whatever the hell he, she wants. Um, Cam, your thoughts on those two getting added to the Money in the Bank match? I mean, I'll start with the women. I I feel like, I mean, well, first of all, Trish is in her, what, late late 40s, early 50s. She's not taking a fucking bump off the top of that ladder. It's not happening. Um, I feel like she's going to win, and I feel like she's going to win. I feel like it's going to come down to Becky climbing up. Zoe's going to knock her off, and Trish, you know, you know, Zoe's her pro- protege, so Zoe will kind of make sure Trish wins the money in the bank. That's completely fine. Cheap hill shit, you know, totally cool with it. Then I think we'll get our, you know, I think at SummerSlam we'll get Becky versus Trish one-on-one for the Money in the Bank briefcase because Becky will say, you know, I would have won if it wasn't for you and Zoe working together. And then you can build it up to Becky versus Trish at SummerSlam for the Money in the Bank where you have Becky beat Trish and win the Money in the Bank briefcase from her. Hasn't been done to the top, to my knowledge off the top of my head. So it's something new that the WWE can do. WWE can do. You can focus a match around the winner getting the briefcase you can have Becky beat Trish, and that's kind of the point of all this anyways, is to get Becky back towards the top. And her and Trish's story can ride out through SummerSlam. Becky can beat her. Trish can, you know, take some time off, go away, come back with the Rumble maybe. Who knows? Um, but I think that's the, the route they're going to go. I think it's a smart route. Trish can, you know, walk around with the briefcase and Zoe for a few weeks, and then they can build it all the way up. Um, you know, you probably do Becky versus Zoe on a Raw and say, hey, if you, if I, if you beat Zoe – then you can fight me for the briefcase, you know, and then Becky will beat her, and then you can have the match at SummerSlam. I think that's the smartest way to go. Um, you don't have to go to Becky winning it right away, um, but I guess there is that wild card of Charlotte Flair lurking around. But, you know, I, I think that that's the smart route to go is to have Trish win the briefcase, you know, pretend she's going to cash in on – she's not cashing on Rhea. She's not cashing on Rhea. She's not cashing on Oscar or Charlotte. So I don't think she's not going to be a champion. Um so, you know, I don't think that the end game is to put a title on Trish Stratus. So her and Becky at SummerSlam first for the briefcase, I think, is the smartest way to go. Now when we go to the men's side, um, I mean, Logan Paul's done a great job. He's come in. He's he can, you know, he trains, you know, he he looks like a wrestler. He, he can garnish. He'll he I'm finally glad they they let him be a baby face for like, what, two weeks. And they're like, yeah, this doesn't work. Um, so he is a heel, natural heel comes easy to him. And we talked about last week about the money in the bank for the men's side, you know, kind of sort of turning into they've had the caveat out last year with Austin Theory. This can be, you know, your way to get to a new mid-card champion or at least a new mid-card championship feud. Now with Logan Paul in there, it scares the shit out of me because LA Knight should be winning this thing. Um, and, it, oh man, Triple H, I just, I just hope he has the balls to not do it. And even though Logan Paul's a name, but if he rest, if he wins the briefcase – He's not cashing in on Roman. He's not beating Roman. Then it goes to the possibility of him cashing in on Seth, which scares the shit out of me. I don't know if Triple H is listening to Vince or whoever the hell he's listening to. I mean, Logan Paul is, you know, a celebrity, quote-unquote celebrity, fucking shitty podcast he does. It's completely terrible. I don't know if you guys are listening to it. It's not a good podcast. It's not funny. It's like jocks doing a podcast. And, like, the podcast world was meant for nerds and, and dudes like us, not for fucking uber fucking jock boys to sit around and 
tell each other about how many underage girls he's had sex with. Um, so I don't like the idea of him being there at all. It scares the crap out of me because, like I said, L.A. Knight is kind of your our front runner. You know, we kind of felt like we've been building this guy up for years now, like we did with Drew and Smoke. Some other guys, you know, Gunther and everybody else that we've kind of gotten behind, you know, about a year in advance. And this was kind of LA Knight's time to shine. He can win that briefcase. He could challenge Austin Theory, like I said last week. And it would be fantastic. Everyone hates Theory. LA Knight would be super over after that. Not only does he beat Theory, who everybody hates, he gets himself his first WWE championship. The guy's super freaking over. Um, so, yeah, I, I do not like it one bit. It scares the crap out of me because, like, you know, Chairman said, Logan Paul wins that. Maybe he's on Raw the next night, but then he's gone for three weeks. Then we don't know when the catching is going to happen. You know, it just, I don't like it at all. It scares the living crap into me, and I hope Triple H is just having him in there just to have a super big name. And maybe, you know, he fights Ricochet one-on-one down the line or something like that because he does not need to be near a world title. He doesn't deserve a world title. He's already had the match against Roman. He's already had a match against Seth. He's, he's <clears throat> elevated himself to where he is put himself, put himself in a good spot. But he's there for Mania and SummerSlam and the Rumble and things like that. He's there to, to face off against guys, um, you know, for an upper card mid upper mid card feud, you know. But let's let's just hope he doesn't win and you know Brock Lesnar comes back and beats his ass or something. Yeah, I completely forgot about that whole Ricochet Logan Paul spot from the Rumble that they mentioned on Raw. Yeah, let those two guys go out there and have a 15-20 minute match at SummerSlam. I'm sure they tear their house down. Yeah, I mean, like we said, I mean, no disrespect. I mean, outside maybe Chairman to Paul because we like him, but um, yeah, yeah. Like I said, when the second I saw him there, I'm like, I'm with you. Scary's the the proper word to uh, describe that situation with him being in there right now. Um, all right, let's go over now to a couple of stories from AEW, and of course, the big story being that the, the uh, debut show of Collision took place this past Saturday. Um, still no ratings on it yet. Um, we have that because of the holiday on Monday, everything's delayed a day, so we don't know what that is. We, we all predicted over 750,000, we'll, so we'll see if that's the case um, tomorrow, I guess. But CM Punk cut his promo, uh, you know, talking about dropping a counterfeit Bucks line in there. Um, so, you know, then he had his match and his stare down with Samoa Joe afterwards. So it seems like that's kind of where it's leaning. Um, I didn't watch the show live. The funny thing is I had actually had planned to watch the show live because I just coincidentally had no plans at, at the time. And then I, it was texted plans like a couple hours later. I'm like, well, I guess I have the collision's going to have to wait. Um, it just felt like, a, like another show. Like there was no, you know, there was no big hook if I'm a viewer to watch it the next week other than, okay, well, it's just kind of like, you know, another version of, Dynamite, you know, yes, yeah, CM Punk's going to be on there more. So I guess if you're a big CM Punk fan, you may want to watch it live. But, you know, it's just kind of was there. You know, it was a show. Um, nothing really to watch, get the viewer to say, oh, yeah, I definitely want to watch this next week. Um, you know, of course, everybody, this is now leading to talk about everything going on with Punk and the Elite. And with Dynamite being in Chicago again uh, this coming Wednesday, there is talk that CM Punk is going to be on the show and that Kenny and the Bucks aren't going to be on it. And they're just going to be have some kind of pre-tapes uh, on there because I guess, you know, the last time they were there, they got booed and there was, I believe, fuck the elite chance. I guess they don't want that now, but I mean, I don't know. And I guess there's possibility too. They just don't want to be in the same building as CM Punk, which I mean, we've gone over this over and over again, just grow up, just, you know, 
work this together. And I've seen people suggesting that it's gonna it's just a giant work, and they're all gonna work together down the line. And I think that's even worse than at this point if they're really going this far to try to work people by not having them be in the same building right now. That it's like okay, we're going this far to try to get people to believe that these guys actually still hate each other, and this is a work like. Either way, this situation just, we talked about it before, you know, this doesn't work with Punk being back, you know, you can't have Kenny and the Bucks in the same building, you know, you've got your your side split, your never punkers, you don't want them back, and you guys, you don't see them punk diehard fans that are happy that he's back, who don't like the elite anymore. Um, but I mean, the fact that Kenny is just doing a pre-tape on Dynamite the the day before one of your big pay-per-view, I shouldn't say the day before, excuse me, the, you know, three days before one of your big pay-per-views, it's just like, come on, really, guys? Like, I'm sure that building's big enough where you guys don't have to see each other at all. And, you know, you guys are EVPs, executive, whatever you guys, your title are, AVPs, EVPs, I don't know. Like, I mean, I've said it numerous times, just work this shit out and make a bunch of money. And if you are working everybody, you better hit on it soon because if you try to stretch this out longer and longer and longer, nobody's going to be interested in it by the time you guys actually start feuding. But, I mean, like I said, there were matches, they were fine, but nothing on Collision made me seem like, you know, must-watch TV every week. I don't even know if it's, I mean, I'll give it a few weeks, but I don't even know if the first week barely made me want to DVR it going forward. Um, I'll go to you, Cam, first. You can start off here now on the AEW stuff here. So what are your thoughts on Collision and all of this punk elite drama that we continue to deal with on a weekly basis? Okay, well, I mean, first of all, 10,000-plus people chanting, fuck the elite, really had to break uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega's fragile little heart. I thought it was fucking hilarious. I mean, they were in Chicago, so that's CM Punk's backyard. But, you know, you 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 hear the grumblings when they mention Punk. You get boos and cheers and stuff when he was gone. But you never heard 10,000 people chant, fuck CM Punk. Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit. But not not to this magnitude where Punk's cutting a promo and they're they're letting their Chicago fans are letting them know, like, yeah, fuck you guys. This is our guy. You guys are indie marks uh, like like MJF love, loves to say that New Japan is just a little indie indie promotion. So Kenny Omega came from a tiny little indie promotion in Japan. Um, I mean, I agree with you that there was no real hook. You had the Punk Samoa Joe stare down, but they needed a, a hook to get us to come back next week. Uh, you had Wardlow lose the title to Luchasaurus. The match was whatever. Um, they just they destroyed like a thousand dollar camera, which I would have gladly taken off their hands. Um, so that I mean that the mat the show overall was was fine. It wasn't it was nothing to write home about. It wasn't the first dynamite. It was featured on CM Punk, and that's kind of how it's going to go forward. I assume at some point we'll get Joe and Punk versus for the Ring of Honor TV title. And maybe, you know, Ring of Honor, you know, they put the title back on Punk. AEW's coming out with a CM Punk Ring of Honor action figure. So, you know, they're going to milk that for everything they got. Um, I mean, I thought it was fine. I thought his promo was pretty good. You know, he he let everyone know he's back. He let everyone know that he was only gone because he was hurt, had nothing to do with, with all that bullshit. You know, he he said, you know, that he was hurt. You know, he, re, he, he rehabbed. He's back. And I think that, you know, he said he deserves a championship. He had... I assume the TNT title in that bag, you know, I, you know, I doubt they, they're carrying around another title, but I, I assume they just put Wardlow's or Luchasaurus's now TNT title in that bag. Punk carried it out there and said, no one beat me for this until someone can, you know, I'm the champion. And, you know, going forward, you know, I've seen advertisements for their next few shows where MJF's on the poster and stuff. So they got to get some of the dynamite guys over there. They got to get the Blackpool combat club guys on there. 
Um, FTR needs to be defending those titles on that show. That things like that need to happen. You know, I love CM Punk. You know, all three of us are big fans. But every single week, if it's just the CM Punk and FTR show, again, I love those guys to death. But we need a little more substance if they want me to care, you know, a month from now. So that's my only real gripe. Um, what I thought was completely hilarious, though, is that the fact that, you know, like you, you mentioned that these guys you not know, wanting to work together and all this stuff, like, just, just figure it out. I mean, I said this, I don't know, however many months ago on the podcast that if this is a work and all this stuff is going to happen, at some point, the Bucks need to wrestle FTR for the tag titles on Collision. And if this is a work, CM Punk needs to cost FTR the titles, side with the Elite, and then at some point, like I mentioned months and months ago, help have Kenny help beat MJF for the world title and have him join the Elite. That's the only way this is going to work, because if it's if it's a quote-unquote work, uh, if they're working the fans so well that if Punk doesn't side with them, then it's not a work. They're just full of shit and their egos are as fragile as the, you know, the paper my, my daughter draws her pictures on. Um, so I, I don't think it's a work. I said that a long time ago that I think if they're going to, they're going to come back, you have punk costs, you know, MGF the title, have Kenny win it, whatever you want to do, blah, blah, blah. Have them side beat the elite because once upon a time, these guys all were friends and, you know, CM punks, you know, in all retrospect, we've talked about this. He's not necessarily the bad guy. Maybe he caused ruffled some feathers, but, fucking hangman page is the one that started this shit so let's let let's say the truth um but yeah i mean i thought the show was fine you know like i watched it for punk i watched it for the six man i thought the six man was fine and you know tony khan needs to announce hey it's going to be cm punk versus samoa joe or cm punk versus somebody next week because you're dying as your main event they need to do something to to reel us in you know you're seeing the ticket um the ticket sales everyone wants to talk crap well, well no one's going to the show well, shit, they're doing Forbidden Door in Toronto this week. Like, of course, you know, people are already spending a shitload of money to go to Forbidden Door. They're not going to go to Collision when Collision was announced after Forbidden Door tickets went on sale. So don't act stupid. Um, the thing about AEW, you mentioned, you know, that Dynamite's this week in Chicago. How many times can they run Chicago? How many times can they run the same fucking places over and over and over again? It's almost to the point where... At the beginning, it made sense. You want to build in the fan base. You want to get that draw where, okay, we're going to do Chicago. We're going to do Jacksonville, blah, blah, blah. How come you're not out there in, in Steve's neck of the woods in Iowa? They've only been to California one fucking time. They've only been to Seattle one time. I don't even know if they've even worked Phoenix. They're Denver. Like, these places the WWE goes twice a year, AEW isn't working it. And I don't understand why they're not coming back to California. There's a hardcore PWG fan base built out here in Southern California. They'll sell at the Staples Center, no problem. They'll sell out the the Ontario Arena, which isn't too far from me, no problem. It's about 8,000 people. They'll sell that out, no problem. I don't understand their, their need to want to work all these same places over and over again. And then their house shows are in, like, fucking Biloxi, Mississippi, where, like, 800 people live. I just don't understand... The travel schedule, it makes no sense. They need to expand more. They need to go back to New York. They need to go see Steve. They need to go back to Buffalo for Justin. They need to come back to California. They need to go to Denver. They need to go to Salt Lake City. They need to go to all these places that they're not really hitting instead of being at the fucking United Center every single week. Yeah, I mean, they haven't come back. They did one show here in Buffalo. It didn't really do that well. Um, I partially blame it though on the fact that it was last fall on like on a Wednesday right before the Bills season opener against, you know, 
uh, the Rams. So they already have people are already going. I know people that are already had big plans for that that wouldn't want to didn't want to go out and spend the money. It's also right before the day school started, and there's also like some some schools started that day, some schools started the next day. So I'm sure that didn't really help things either. And they they normally get, they've gone to Rochester a couple times. Their Rochester has a bit smaller of an arena, and it's only about like an hour drive from Buffalo. So people can drive up there if they want. Um, you know, if you want to work a small arena like that, it's the place to work. Uh, you know, I'm with you. Yeah. And like, obviously, like you said, I don't even think they've come anywhere near chairman, unfortunately, yet in the Iowa area. Uh, and like you said, yeah, the Canada stuff, it was just so weird that they scheduled that whole Canada tour. I mean, you know, for those that don't know, Toronto and Hamilton are about like a hour-ish, you know, but Toronto traffic probably more like a 90-minute drive apart. And like you said, Cam said, like, why would I... Probably if I was in Hamilton and heard AEW is coming there for Forbidden Door or Forbidden Door and Dynamite, why would I buy those tickets to Toronto and then oh now they're coming to Hamilton too? Now you want me to spend more money on a show that's probably not going to be anywhere near as good as those two shows? Just doesn't make any sense at all whatsoever. And you know, even the whole tour of Canada. I, mean, I guess if you want to tour Canada, the time to do it is during the summer because you don't want to get stuck in like a fall cold up there or anything. But it's just a weird that you have your big show in Toronto first and then announce everything there after. So who the hell knows? Uh, Chairman, what are your thoughts on Collision, Punk, everything, etc.? Yeah, AEW hasn't touched foot in my state yet, but WWE was just here for SmackDown like a week or two ago. So at least WWE shows us some love now and then. Um, but yeah, I mean, Collision wasn't that bad. I was actually impressed. Um, I guess maybe because I kind of had low expectations going in. I had no one to expect, but uh, the Pepsi Phil promo was great. Uh, the fans were very, very uh, vocal about the Elite. Um, kind of funny, actually. Um, you know, Pepsi Phil hit all the spots. Um, one of my friends actually thought it would have been funny if he would have turned on FTR and joined with Jay White and Juice and became the new leader of the Bullet Club Gold, which that would have been really, really funny and surprising because then CM Punk Bullet Club leader which would have been way more cooler than David Finley in Japan. Like, I just read that the other day that like, he's the freaking leader now. I'm like, David fucking Finley? Really? Okay. No wonder Japan's falling apart. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, the main event was really good. You know, first time that Samoa Joe and Punk were in the ring together in forever. You know, you can definitely build off that. Uh, the buddy Matthews, not Murphy, um, and Andrade El Idolo. Um, that match was really good. I, was, I had a lot of fun with that match. Um, it's kind of funny thinking back to WrestleMania when their spouses fought at WrestleMania, Rhea and Charlotte. But then, um, you know, this was a really good match. Um, obviously, the end was great because uh, you had um, the rest of House of Black show up. So maybe we're going to get an Andrade Alito versus Malachi Black match. They had a banger in NXT for the title years ago. So I'm all for these guys running it back, you know. Maybe Andrade will find some friends and then they can go after the trios titles. I think House of Black still has them. I lost track because AEW has like 14,000 titles. But, um, you know, Miro's back. That's cool to see. You know, you know, he's watched Tony Neeson's got awful promo. Like that dude's like QT Marshall level cringe. And then, of course, like you see the Luchasaurus match against Warlow. It's like, of course, they're going to have a title change on the first show because like they wanted it to be memorable. I mean, I don't know if Luchasaurus is the guy who would have put the title on. You know, he looks like Kane kind of now <laughs> with those colors. But um, I think they would have been better off just honestly having Christian win the title at the pay-per-view like I wanted. But, you know, whatever is what it is. I think Warlow's pretty much whatever now. I think his, like, main event potential is dead. Like, I just don't think they know how to use that guy. It's just, I don't know, it's weird. It's like multi-time TNT champion. Cool, bud. Whatever. All you have cool on for you is cool theme music. Like, you have no charisma. you just big guy. He's like Brian Cage whatever um 
the women's stuff, whatever. I don't know where Soraya is, but Will and Nightingale's Sky Blue are the most forgettable people ever. They're like Katana Chance and Kaden Carter. Like, you just don't care about them at all. I mean, I don't know. Tony Storm, this champion, is just, I don't know, whatever. I, I, I think they need Soraya. She's kind of like the one that makes that outcast group worth a shit. So, you know, obviously it's Collision. It's the first show. I thought it was decent. Um, of course, they can't bring guys back every week like Miro and Andrade and Pepsi Phil. So they're going to have to really build um, big matches to keep going. It's like you guys said before, you're going to have to get the Backpool Combat Club on there. You're going to have to get Jericho on there. Um, you know, you're just going to have to bring some big heavy hitters. I don't want to see broken Matt Hardy walking around or, uh, you know, QT Marshall's bowling team, you know, all them scrub balls. Like you better bring some heavy hitters and, you know, if you want to keep this show going, honestly, though, I think the show could have been fine at one hour myself, but whatever. I mean, it was a good start, but can I keep it going? That's the question. Yeah, Andrade versus Buddy uh, Murphy dates back to when we used to have our site, and I was doing a, a fantasy week-to-week booking, and I had them fighting for one of the world titles, I think, at at some point. So and I, and I just see Tony Khan's looking up the archives on our old site somewhere to steal some more of my booking ideas. So uh, good, good job there, Tony. Um, and like we said a couple of times that we've got Forbidden Door this uh, this coming, I believe it's, uh, is it Sunday? Yeah, Sunday, the 25th. I'm not really doing a preview for it at all because there's only four matches announced. I mean, the two matches, the big ones, Omega versus Osprey for the IWGP US Heavyweight title and Danielson versus Okada should be great. And then, of course, we have our IWGP Heavyweight champion, Sonata, defending against Jungle Boy and MJF defending the AEW title against Tanahashi. So those are the only four matches announced so far. I mean, it's not enough for me. I mean, to want to order the pay-per-view i mean i would love to see those those first two matches but at the same time i'm not going to spend you know 50 bucks on it if anything i'll watch it i'll spend like 10 if i can't find it illegally somewhere i'll watch it on new japan world like a week later um but those other two matches for the two i get why you want to have title matches on these shows but at the same time it's just like okay do i really think jack perry is going to beat sonata do i really think tanahashi is going to be mjf when these matches have had like no build for them whatsoever, um, you know Danielson and Okada are finally facing off against each other this uh, coming Wednesday on Dynamite, having like a. I guess I saw Danielson's going to call out Okada, and you know Omega and Osprey. Obviously, there's history there, so there's enough there to get you kind of hooked. But I mean, is the good wrestling cam better, uh, good enough to outweigh the bad build for you to try to go out and watch this show? Well, first of all, LOL at freaking um, the, the the funny thing about open challenges is that even dating back to WWE, when you have the open challenges with the US title years ago, how come like 90% of the roster is not fucking filing out the back to get it? Like everyone that sits in catering every week, why are they not coming in droves to open these, to answer these open challenges? Like it's, I don't know. I just, I always think it's kind of funny. Like it's wrestling, blah, blah, blah. We're supposed to like suspend disbelief. And yeah, only jungle boy was the only person on the AEW roster that doesn't do anything that wants to face Sonata. Like really like not Miro who who's back, who had, I so glad to see him back on TV, not Andrade off a fresh win. I mean, not Adam Cole, not like fucking everybody that you can name off jungle boy. Really? And it, to me, it's it's laughable because I thought we were done with this. He had his he had his little time to shine. I don't understand Tony's Khan's obsession with Jack Perry. He looks like a five dollar indie mark. Like when you pay five ten bucks to go to your local indie, he looks like a guy that's fighting in the match before before Matt Cardona comes out for the main event. That's what he looks like. He 
brings nothing to the table. His promos are fucking god awful. Now he's involved in a little pairing because heaven forbid anybody in AEW is by themselves. Um, everyone has to be in at least a two man stable in AEW because it's fucking WCW Thunder 1997. Like everyone has to be in a stable. It it's hilarious. I hope Sonata wipes the fucking floor with him in like 30 seconds. And I don't know. I don't know who. I don't know if Gato shares booking with these shows with Tony Khan or. Gato allows these guys to come over here and says, okay, they're going to work, but this is what it's going to be. Um, we don't want our guys to, you know, quote unquote, look weak to go always go back to the Roman Reigns thing from 10 years ago. Um, that match is the only one where I fucking literally laughed out loud. Like really, that's the best you got. Tony Khan is fucking jungle boy. Like Sammy Guevara would have been a better choice. Jericho would have been a better choice. The list goes on and on, but no, let's get Jack Perry in there who, wouldn't sniff anybody's boots in, in New Japan, even though New Japan is falling apart. If you sent New if you sent Jungle Boy over to New Japan, he'd be working the Noah tours, not the fucking New Japan tours. So that's hilarious. Um, I mean, I'm on the fence. You know, I'm working a little bit more, so I'm on the fence about buying it. May or may not. Who knows? I want to see Okada and Brian. I want to see Osprey and Kenny. I think it'll be great. Um, I think that'll be the time. Like, is Osprey coming to AEW more than every six months? Is he going to join up with Don Callis? You know, his inform another stable with them. I think that's the best way to go if you want to get Osprey over to the States a little bit more full time is, you know, have Don Callis and Co. come down and beat the shit out of Kenny Omega and have uh, Osprey reclaim the New Japan uh, United States title. I think that's the best way to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's good. I mean, it's it's laughable that FTR is on the show. It's laughable that I don't know if, if, if this is a punk thing or a Kenta thing or a money thing or who knows, but those guys should be wrestling. Um, it's a little bit of a downfall. Yeah, the the big three, because I'm not counting the J- the Jack Perry versus Sonata match. The big three are worth the 50 bucks if you got the extra 50 bucks. But they can't, I mean, I assume they'll add a few more matches this week. Um, what's the main event? I mean, I think it was hilarious that MJF refused. To, he says, I'm not, I'm not fighting there. I'm not showing up. And in, in true heel fashion, if he doesn't fucking show up and no shows the fight, like I will, he will, he will surpass Gunther as my favorite current wrestler in, in all of pro wrestling, because that would just be hilarious if he refuses to fight Tanahashi. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Of MJF just doing that saying that no, no, no. And just walking away. And yeah, maybe, maybe they'll assign John Cena to show up and we'll get to John Sonny, to John Cena, Tanahashi dream match. We've always wanted to see with the, uh, the face versus the ace that I think I saw is always a tagline for it. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I, I hope they'd add some matches this Wednesday on Dynamite. And, um, you know, four match, I mean, I would love a four match pay per view, don't get me wrong. But uh, if that's, if New Japan's only really sending over four guys for it, I don't think it's that much worth New Japan's time. And to be honest, I mean, how many of these AEW fans still watch New Japan? I mean, I feel like once the elite bailed on Japan, New Japan for AEW, they kind of stopped caring about it. And then they do this big card and it's like, Oh no, we know we we still care about New Japan now too. What we've always, always have. And it's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, where is my, uh, where's Tai Chi on this show? Obviously, where's our boy Yoshihashi, you know, a t- former tag team champion. He should be somewhere on the show, obviously as well. Um, but chairman, what are your thoughts on this show? You're going to shut out the 50 bucks for it. No, I can't afford to. Um, but Yoshihashi should be the one fighting Jack Perry. Cause they're both like the scrubs of their freaking respective promotions. Yoshihashi versus QT Marshall. Oh no. <laughs> I'm just going to join with Cam here because when I saw they announced Sonata versus Jack Perry, I'm like, this scrub of all scrubs? Like, really? They just lost a uh, world title match. 
and now you're going to put him in the ring against Sonata, who looks really weird, by the way, now. Like, what happened to his, like, blonde mohawk? He's got this, like, weird thing going off his hair now. I don't get it. But um, you're telling me there's nobody else in AEW? Like, you could have even threw, like, Orange Cassidy if you, if, if you had to. I mean, you could have threw Hangman Page. You could have threw Samoa Joe. You could have threw Christian Cage. I mean, there's, like, how many guys you could have threw? You know, uh, Daniel Garcia... That scrub, um, what the hell's his name? I can't remember his name now. So I'm so so fired up right now. But he's that scrub uh, that follows around uh, Moxley and Claudio. Wheeler Yuta, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that scrub. Yeah. He could have fought uh, Sonata. But uh, no, we're going with the ultimate Jack Perry. Like this guy is boring. Like, dude, like you have absolutely no charisma at all. Like, ugh, gross. Like, go back, go 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 make up Luchasaurus. And stay in your tag team forever because your singles are already happening, bud. You're not even a pillar. Like, you're, you're less of a pillar than or- Orange Cassidy should have to be the fourth pillar, honestly. I mean, that's just my opinion if we're going to call it out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other three matches are fine. I mean, MJF and, you know, trolling Tanahashi's funny. I mean, I'm with you guys. If he actually no shows this, I'd laugh my ass off. And then Pepsi Phil shows up to get the match that we uh, were supposed to have last year, I think, until he got hurt. And then him is like, Jake the Snake Roberts bag come out with him. You know, that'd be cool. And then also, there's nothing that needs to be said about the other two matches. We already touched on them. You know, they're going to be bangers. They're going to be awesome. But I can't f- shell out 50-something bucks. You know, maybe if they get Toriano on the card, I might be persuaded to do so. But I think he's wrestling G1, so I could probably just catch him on that. So that's my piece on that. Yeah, I think Moxley still needs to get his win back from Toru Yanu from that, uh, when, how many years ago? It was like three years ago when they were both in the G1 together and Yano beat Moxley. So, I mean, there's there's heat there. There's build for that match there. If, uh, Tony and Ghetto really wanted to do it. There, you know, there's history there. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, maybe if my Dave and Buster is around the corner for me is airing it again. I haven't looked yet. Maybe I'll go swing by over there for a drink or two and watch some of it. But, yeah, I mean, I can't do 50 bucks for a four-match card, even with the two dream matches on there. I just, you know, I guess one of them is really a dream match. We've seen the other one already. It's still going to be a great match. But, yeah, I can't I can't go out there and spend 50 bucks on it. Um, so that's our big four topics for the week. For uh, the last half of the show, we're going to play uh, kind of a this or that game where we're going to pick one or the other at, as far as sides go. Um, so we kind of talked about this first one a little bit earlier. Uh, we were talking about the money in the bank buildup. Uh, this or that, do we prefer the king of the ring or the money in the bank as a pay-per-view? Um, for me, and I've actually started, I've been watching the old king of the rings uh, on the network the last uh, week or so. I've always kind of liked the King of the Rings stuff, mostly because you can have different types of matches where Money in the Bank, it's a ladder match where you got, you know you're going to get these set ladder spots in. Uh, you know, it's the same stuff over and over. I know I almost would rather get to the point where they rotate this every year where one year or, you know, one year it's King of the Ring. The next year, it's Money in the Bank, you know, just so the gimmicks don't get old. But if I had to pick one, I'm going and picking uh, the King of the Ring because despite, you know, what Money in the Bank has led to, there's just something about, you know, some guy fighting two or three times in one night or going through. I'm a big tournament, Mark, going through a tournament to get your uh, world, to get your King of the Ring crown and presumably a world title shot. So I'm going to pick King of the Ring as far as these go. Um, Chairman, which one are you picking? even though I trashed Money in the Bank a little bit earlier as a whole. I mean, overall, I'm a Money in the Bank guy. I mean, I've been to a couple of them in person. 
and I've enjoyed, you know, the thrill of the briefcase. You know, we've had some really good moments with my boy Seth Rollins, you know, the Dolph Ziggler moments, the Edge moments, the CM Punk moments. I mean, we've had some good moments with the briefcase, you know. You know, if done right, it helps a guy kind of get from the mid card to the, you know, main event status, you know, champion. And, you know, you could say the same for King of the Ring. I kind of wish what they would have did with King of the Ring back in the day is like, and they did it once, I believe, in 02 of Lesnar. But like, you win the King of the Ring tournament, you get a world championship title match versus, ooh, you get a crown and a scepter and then you get to take on a king gimmick for a year. I mean, some of them, obviously, Bret Hart didn't really do much with it, but like Owen obviously used it to capital himself. We had King Booker around for a while, and of course, the gross King Corbin. So, I mean, the King of the Ring could be cool. I mean, I wish they would keep it around. I wish they would still do both pay-per-views. Like, you could easily get rid of one of your stupid gimmicky pay-per-views and do King of the Ring every year. There's no reason why you can't do King of the Ring every year or Queen of the Ring. or whatever. They almost were going to do it, and then they scraped the plans. Because, you know, I'm a, I'm a few Justin. Tournaments are fun if done right. So, I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, Money in the Bank, though, I mean, I'm just a big fan of Chaos and Ladders and, you know, the briefcase and people coming out of nowhere and trying to cash in. You know, it, there was a good run for a while there, and hopefully they get back to it with LA Knight this year. But, uh, yeah, I'm a big briefcase guy. Yeah, the only time they ever officially had somebody uh, win a title shot at the at SummerSlam was Brock. You're right. Uh, you know, Owen Hart and Mabel just kind of went that way. I don't I know Owen Hart wasn't guaranteed and I'm pretty sure Mabel wasn't either. Um, so, yeah. So Brock was the only one that was, I don't remember as much as far as the TV ones they did on Raw and, and SmackDown when they had that. So I don't know for sure. But, yeah, Brock is definitely the only guaranteed one. Um, which one do you take, uh, Cam? Well, first of all, I'll never forget the time Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson had a fifth, uh, double countout, I believe it was, like King Ring 96 or something like that, where uh, I believe Stone Cold got to <clears throat> move on to the quarterfinals or semifinals, and I'm like, really? They did a they did a double countout? Oh, was King Ka- no, that was Kama. That was, you're thinking 95 with Shawn Michaels and Kama. Oh, with Shawn Michaels and Kama? Okay, for some reason I thought it was uh, Ahmed Johnson. Oh, okay. Uh, never forget that. I always think that's hilarious because I'm, you know, big Shawn Michaels mark. So I just thought it was, I just pissed me off as a kid. Yeah, that was yeah. Ninety five is the one where it had like Shawn Michaels, Undertaker. I want to say maybe Razor Ramon too, and then fucking Mabel won it. Yeah, I mean never Mabel. Yeah, I mean Mabel deserved his push. He looked, he looked good with that count, that with that crown. Um, <laughs> in a perfect world, you keep the King of the Ring pay per view around because like. One night tournament, someone running the gauntlet, three matches in one night, four matches in one night, whatever you want to do. Um, you get a lot of guys on the card. You get you get some surprises. I mean, that's where you could have Ricochet win two matches and get to the semifinals, or you know, you could have something like that. You know, it creates that instant buzz throughout the night. You don't have to have you don't have to force a Roman match. You don't have to force any other matches. You just focus it around the King of the Ring, and it's a nice little layoff from having a, a mid card title match or a repeat match or anything like that. You could just, you could do that. And then to me, I mean, I, I love money in the bank. I've always called it the big five, you know, it's the fifth biggest pay-per-view. I think it still is, but if you want to get rid of a pay-per-view and you replace it with King of the ring, you could easily do money in the bank to open up every WrestleMania. Um, I know they like to do the women and I get that. That's fine. But if you move it to WrestleMania and have it open the show, then you then you set it up for well whoever wins money in the bank are they going to cash in that night at WrestleMania you create instant tension as well uh, but I agree with Chairman you could get rid of any pay per view and have both of these pay per views every single year instead of having the Hell in the Cell pay per view or anything like that 
um, hell, you could replace one of the one of the Saudi shows with the with the money in the with uh, have money in the bank being Saudi. Who knows? Um, but I'm gonna go with King of the Ring. I I just like the um, I like the history behind it. You had the Stone Cold pro, you know, the 316 promo at King of the Ring. You know everything that's gone into it over the years. Um, the last few years of Money in the Bank have been a letdown. I mean, what you know, you know, Taryn mentioned with Punk and Ziegler and Seth Rollins. I was at that Mania when he cashed in. Um, Miz, Miz Dow, you know, cashing in on Cena in a fantastic match on Raw, even though he lost it, even though the crowd would have went batshit crazy if he beat Cena on that Raw to win the title. God, what a swing and miss by Vince. Like, during that time, Damian Sandow was so freaking over. If he pulled the title, pulled the string and put the title, even on Sandow for a few weeks and have Cena beat him at the next pay-per-view, people are fucking happy. They're going crazy. They're selling merch up the butt. I mean, I don't know. That was a huge missed opportunity. I'll never forget that, where he, you know, a couple of near falls, and he was just so over at that time, and Cena didn't need to be the champion for the, you know, umpteenth time at that at that moment. So, it, huge miss. I mean, the most recent one, Theory, you know, going to, to the U.S. title because he wasn't going to beat Roman. There was no way in hell. That's what we talked about earlier in the show last week, about it be, kind of becoming a mid-card thing. So, um, I'm going to side with King of the Ring, even though I am a fan of both, and I feel like it's the two better things they've done. We don't need the TLC pay-per-views, which they don't do anymore, really. We don't need a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Like, these are your, if you want to have quote-unquote gimmick pay-per-views, these are your two biggest ones besides the Rumble. Okay, so next one we're going to do is either Dominic and Rhea Ripley or Edge and Vicky Guerrero. I was thinking about doing Edge and Lita, but I think Edge and Lita are still above both of them, at least so far, pretty easily. But So we're going to do Dominic and uh, Rhea or Edge and Vicky. Uh, I'll let you go first here, Chairman. Which one are you picking? Uh, I vaguely remember the Edge-Vicky stuff, but... Um... I would definitely say the Rhea and Dom stuff has been fantastic. And a lot of it's because of social media and what they've been doing like the last how many months, you know, all the holiday stuff where they would go over to Rey Mysterio's house and ruin holidays or go to a restaurant, like all that small stuff they do is just hilarious. And it's building Dom's heel heat to like nuclear levels to the point where the kid came and cut a freaking promo and I've been on the Rhea Ripley bandwagon forever. And, you know, her work has been phenomenal herself. You know, you throw Dom in there, and those two are just – they work really well together. They are a fantastic pairing. And, obviously, you know, that's the thing against Edge. You know, like you said, Lita, that stuff was fantastic as well. And, you know, like I said, I really – the Edge and Vicky stuff, I don't – I remember very vaguely. I mean, I was kind of out of watching the rest of the time. I've seen some highlights over the years, but – and it's fresh, of course, too, but, I mean, definitely I'm tilting towards Rhea and Dom, and I'm really bummed out that Dom wasn't put in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Him and Cody should have both been in that ladder match, but whatever. All right, which pair are you going with, Cam? I'm going to go Dom and Rhea, too. I mean, I feel like by the time we were at the Edge, Vicky stuff, Edge... Edge was already super over. He was, you know, he's already been a multi-time champion and all that stuff. And, you know, I I get the allure of Vicky Guerrero, but at the same time, I never really did. All she really did was fucking yell on a microphone. Even when she was paired with Dolph Ziggler, all she really did was yell on the microphone. Um, she went to AEW to trade her like shit. Um, they probably were like, can we get the rights to Eddie Guerrero? And she's like, that's what you wanted me for. That's probably what it was because Tony Khan's a 
at the end of the day, he's a piece of shit too. Um, so I'm going to go Dom and Rhea. I mean, they've Dom's come so far. I mean, what, two manias ago, he was tag, tagging with his dad and they were fighting for the titles and he was super green in the ring still and he wore stupid costumes and everyone hated him. And I thought he'd be gone. Honestly, I thought if they would have kept that route, he'd be gone. He, you know, he was almost like a Ted DiBiase Jr., even though Ted DiBiase Jr. has some other outside problems that we won't talk about on the podcast, but I feel like he was kind of like that. Or, you know, a Curtis Axel, where he was a wrestler's son, and this is why he's in the WWE, but he's not very good, and he's gone in two or three years. He's completely changed his character. Kudos to him. Kudos to everyone working in that group, to Finn, Damian, Rhea. Um the judgment day has been fantastic. You know, ever since they kicked edge out, we had so many questions, but they've done such a great job. Um, Rhea is the the man. I mean, sorry, Becky, but you know, Rhea kind of is the man right now for all, for all of women's wrestling across the entire board, any promotion, any country. Rhea is number one. Um, her and Dom have been fantastic and it's almost caught on to where Dom, Dom does get really good heat, but everyone just likes to boo him. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the Fandango effect where everyone wanted to sing it. The, you know, all these things we've had in WWE history where every week, wherever city they were in, fans couldn't wait to sing this song. Fans couldn't wait to pull out their their phones for Bray Wyatt all those years. Fans can't wait to boo Dominic Mysterio, and it's beautiful. They just had a Father's Day match wherever they had their house show a couple days ago, and. Ray beat him up with a belt or whatever. Um, at some point, they have to revisit that. You know, he's got to get that win. Dom needs that that win to kind of to retire his dad or whatever somewhere down the line. Make it happen next year at Mania, whatever you want to do. Two Manias in a row. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna side with them. Yeah, I'm gonna make it a clean sweep and go with uh, with Dominic and Rhea as well. Um, like you said, when it got to Edge and Vicky at that point, it's like, okay. Like, does Edge really need another you know woman by his side just to be a top heel like this? Like, all right, come on. And I'm kind of with you. Like, I think Vicky is was good in doses. You know, at that point, I feel like she was a little overplayed and not needing to be on TV. I mean, you know, kudos to Vince and everything for giving her a job after Eddie's passing and making sure she was like you know still on the payroll and everything. But yeah, I mean, Dominic and Rhea, not only that, they're still growing as well. I mean, considering how I believe how young both of them are. You know, Rhea's fantastic in the women's division. She's pretty much the leader of the Judgment Day, I would consider, at this point. And like you said, with Dominic, you know, two years ago, we were like, this guy is never going to do anything in this business. And now here we are that he is out there, you know, getting heel heat every week. His, you know, heel, he can work a different in-ring style, doesn't have to work a lucha style like he was doing when he was a face. He can work a little bit differently as a heel and not have to worry about about that so uh plus marks for there all around but yeah dominic and Rhea, i think are maybe might pass edge and lita at some point you know like i said just considering how young the pairing is like they still have a little bit to go so i'm looking forward to see what they end up doing uh down the line but yeah i'm gonna make it a clean sweep and go with dominic and ray here all right last one we're gonna go with here and last thing for the show today uh, I think I saw, I want to say it was Cam that tagged me uh, in, or tagged the podcast in a tweet that somebody said, who would win in an unscripted promo battle between John Cena and MJF? So, uh, Cam, I think you're the one that sent this over to me. Who are you picking? Yeah, I believe it was Coltaholic or one of the bigger wrestling sites put that out there. And, you know, the, 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 the comments were almost, I don't want to say evenly split. I feel like it was a little bit more like 65, 35 Cena. Um, 
I love MJF. I think Cena would tear him to shreds. Uh, Cena tore the rock to shreds. You know, Cena kept up with Punk. Uh, Cena has the gift of gab. You know, I feel like, you know, we don't really know about writing the promos, but I feel like Tony or uh, MJF has, you know, if you have a give Tony or Tony Khan, he wants to Tony Khan. If you give MJF a few days, he can write some stuff out. Um, same with Cena, obviously. But I feel like if you're in the ring one on one, you know, just going back and forth, no scriptedness, no no promo keynotes to hit. Um, Cena could tear him to shreds. You know, obviously MJF would touch on the Brie Bell or the Nikki Bella stuff and blah blah blah. Um, I think Cena is one of a kind in, in in the ring when it comes to mic work. And even though I would love to see it, fucking please, um, MJF, if he does come to the WWE in the the battle of 2024, the bid of 2024, he does come over to the WWE. His first match and feud should be with Cena. And I would just, I would pay big money to be in that arena when they win after each other. But yeah, I would go Cena. Um, he would beat MJF in a promo battle. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, especially with Cena being in Hollywood now, I think that helps him too. Um, I think I saw, I think one of my favorite comments I saw responding to that tweet was like the first thing Cena would say was like walk up to MGF and kind of rub his eyes. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, you're just the Miz without a hot wife. Um, that was one of my favorite responses I think I saw to that tweet. But yeah, I mean, Cena, I think, would pretty easily, I think MGF will probably get some good zingers in there, but um, it seems like, you know, Cena, especially I think I maybe I read something about his Austin Theory program where he didn't really have anything scripted for that, but kind of went over what he was going to say to Theory, like in general bullet points. But Cena's been doing this long enough. You know, he's got a rap album, so obviously he's got the gift to gab. But, uh, yeah, I'm taking Cena. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say pretty easily, but I think I would probably, like, go Cena, like, four out of five times. Uh, who are you going with, Chairman? I just saw Cena beat Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania in my vintage viewings. So screw you, Shawn Michaels, for blocking all of us on Twitter, you punk. <laughs> <laughs> had to throw it in there. Um, I would definitely say Cena. You know, it's like you said, he had the rap album. So being a freestyle rapper, which pretty much saved his WWE career, of course, too, if you know the story, like, you're obviously thinking on the fly, you know, if you're getting into freestyle battles. Like, you're not sitting there writing promos, you know. You pretty much have to think on a fly via chance for a freestyle. So, you know... Cena's probably one of the few guys that probably has free reign on promos, can say what he wants, what he wants, something comes to mind, where he would absolutely destroy MJF. We just saw him absolutely destroy Garbage Theory earlier this year. You know, he put countless people down. I remember he destroyed Roman Reigns, you know, a couple of years ago, back when they were trying to force feed him. And, you know, Cena's just one of those guys who can just absolutely destroy somebody in a promo. MJF has his moments, but I feel like he kind of goes down the same well all the time. Like, I'm going to attack your girl, or I'm going to attack the same thing over and over again. And, you know, once in a while he has some funny stuff, and he throws some profanity in there. But Cena finds lots of ways to destroy you, and like, to the point where you can't come back. So I'm definitely going to Cena here if we ever get the Battle of Battles. All right, and that is our show for this week. We will be back next week to recap everything that happened on AEW Forbidden Door and any follow-up from that show. And we will also preview WWE Money in the Bank next week as it is taking place a week from this coming Saturday. So for my co-host Cam and the chairman Stephen Vincent, I am Justin signing off, and we will talk to you then.